Hey, hey, Bridgeway, how are we doing? Good? Awesome, awesome. Well, if we have not met yet, my name is Pastor Cliff, and I'm the high school pastor here. And let me tell you something that's exciting. Um, this is the last weekend of 2020. This is the last weekend of 2020, which means we can put 2020 behind us and we can move towards <laughs> 2021. And I'll tell you what, man, I, I was reflecting over this the last couple weeks and I, I'm so thankful for all the things the Lord did do and what he's going to do in, in 2021. And here's the thing about this last year uh, that we all went through is this last year changed so many different things in our lives. We thought we had a plan about what this year was gonna look like and then it completely changed. Um, and then our relationships changed with, with our spouses, with our friends, with our, uh, with our siblings, with our kids, with our grandkids, right? And we continue to see thing after thing change in a way that we could not have ever expected. See, the beginning of this year, Pastor Lance was, went up on this stage and he said, this is the year of connecting. Right? This is the year of connecting. And then in January and February, we tried our best to connect in all the sorts of ways that Pastor Lance was leading us through. But then March hit <laughs> and COVID hit with it. And so many things, so many things changed. And so we're at the point where we're at the last weekend of 2020 and we're thinking, what's next? But as I reflect over this last year, I think one of the biggest things that changed for not only me personally, but I think all of us collectively, is our communication. Our communication had to change. Many of us, we were a little bit more nervous than we normally would, or we're a little bit more emotional or, or sensitive. Uh, we had to really be careful of what we were saying and how we were saying it, and things changed for our communication. And one of the biggest things about communication that happens with so many of us is not only should we be talking but also listening as well. In fact, listening is one of the main parts of communication because without listening, there's, there's no communication at all or conversation for that matter. Let me give you an example. When I was younger, my sister, my dad and I went to a park that was near my house. And I would love going on these trips because I got to go outside and I got to ride my bike. So this one specific time, my sister and I were riding our bikes um, at this park and there was this big huge hill and at the bottom of the hill there was a turn that went out to a bridge and my dad being the dad like many other dads would do he went up to my sister and I before he, we started riding he said hey watch out for that bridge <laughs> watch out for that bridge because if you don't do what you're supposed to do something bad might happen so why did I what did I do as, as a kid when I was younger I didn't listen to my dad and I just said yeah, 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 that's, that's fine. That's fine and nice, Dad, what, whatever you say. But sure enough, one ride down the hill, I was feeling the wind in my hair. I was all excited. I was stoked because I got to, to ride and be outside. But I wasn't really paying attention when I went towards the bridge. and I didn't turn my, my bike sharp enough. And sure enough, I went off the bridge into the ravine below. Now, at first... I was like, I can fly. But then I hit the tree and fell down, <laughs> fell down the ravine. Luckily, there were some strangers there who, whom I didn't know, picked me up and carried me out onto where the bridge was at, where my father and my, my sister were meeting me. 
Luckily, I didn't have any broken bones. I didn't sprain anything. I just had some bumps and bruises and my pride was hurt a little bit too. But my dad, after he checked and made sure that everything was okay, he looked at me, he said, see, you should have listened to me. <laughs> you should have listened to me. Fast forward uh, a few years later, I'm 15 years old and I'm excited to get my permit so that I can drive. Uh, I'm very excited for this, right? And so my parents come up to me and they say, Cliff, make sure that you study. Because if you don't study, you don't get your permit, you don't learn how to drive. I said, okay, sure. I'd rather listen to what my friends say though. And they said, oh, it's a piece of cake. It's common sense. Don't worry about it. It's easy. You don't even need to study. So I didn't study, walked into this test confident and I failed. I, I failed and it was, I, it was devastating for me at that time. It was so devastating that I did not retake the permit exam until I was 18 years old. <laughs> I was so upset about it. And here's the thing. If I listened to my parents in both of these scenarios, they would have gone drastically different. 70 to 80% of our waking hours is in some form of communication. Of that time, we spend about 9% writing, 16% reading, 30% speaking, and 45 to 55% listening. We want our coworkers to listen to us, our kids to listen to us, our spouses to listen to us. And let's be honest, we even want God to listen to us. And I'm up here on this stage today asking you to listen to me. But why do we listen? We listen because through listening gains perspective and through listening gains answers. Because almost every time somebody asks a question of someone, they're trying to find an answer. Why is my life going this way? How should I um, address this situation? What if my child is not listening to me the way they should be listening to me? What am I supposed to do? And as Christians, we seek answers in so many different ways in our life, but we rarely turn to the person who can really answer those questions. We rarely turn to the person who knows our future. We rarely turn to the person who can really truly give us the answer that will truly sustain us. And that is our heavenly father. And this leads us to the fill in the blank that is on the app. And the fill in the blank is this. Now is the time to listen. Now is the time to listen. Not, not yesterday, but right now. Right now is the time to listen. See, I, I believe and know that if we take the time to listen and learn how to listen right now, as we head into 2021 in just a few days, the Lord will be able to help us and guide us through this next year. Church, now is the time to listen. Okay, if we're supposed to listen, here, here, here are some of my questions that we're gonna talk about. One, who are we listening to? Our Heavenly Father. And how do we listen to him? As we look throughout the Old Testament, there's so many different people that, that heard from God, that, that listened to God. I, I think of Abraham. Abraham was a man who was consistently listening to God. How did he do it? He listened to him by taking time out of his day to spend time with him. How did, how did Joseph listen to God? Well, a guy who persevered through so many different things throughout his entire life, how did he listen to God? By going away and listening to him 
in the stillness of his life. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a couple different stories in Scripture that help us articulate and learn and know what it's like to listen to God and understand that he's not someone who's yelling at us, but he's someone who's communicating to us with very a still, small voice. So the first story we're going to talk about is in 1 Kings chapter 19. So if you have your Bibles, go there with me uh, to 1 Kings chapter, chapter 19. Set up the story. Here, here's what's happening. We're going to talk about a guy named Elijah. Now, Elijah is one of the powerful, most powerful characters in, in the Old Testament. This guy is awesome. He does so many things for God, for the kingdom of God. It's crazy. But at this point in Elijah's life, he, he's kind of in a turf war, if you will, between his God, our God, Yahweh, and the pagan God, Baal. Everyone says that Baal's better or Yahweh's better. So, so Elijah's like, I'm done with this. Let's put it to the test. So all of them go up, prophets of Baal and Elijah himself, go up to Mount Carmel. Elijah builds a temple and he tells the prophets of Baal, let's, let's pray to our God and have them bring down fire. Your God will go first and then mine. If they're truly God, if they truly are the God, then they will bring fire down on this altar and burn it. So Elijah being kind, he allows the prophets of Baal to go first, right? And so they're praying, they're praying, they're doing everything they can to make sure their God does what he's supposed to do. Nothing happens, crickets. And then it's Elijah's turn. Elijah's like, you know what? I'm gonna take it up a notch. Elijah pours water all over the altar. He makes a trench around the altar, puts water in it to make sure that if God brings fire from heaven, it's so warm and hot that it's gonna burn up everything around it. So Elijah prays to God and then pff, fire comes down from heaven, burns up the altar, the water that's underneath it. Everyone goes nuts, goes crazy. Can you imagine that? Just a fire out of nowhere comes from heaven and just destroys this altar. Man, what, what an aim God's ha God has, right? Man, right at the altar. What awesome. That's so awesome. All the prophets of Baal flee. They go, they go away, but Elijah ends up catching up with them and ends up killing every single one of them. It's a pretty gnarly story. But what I want to talk about today is what happens next. What, ha what happens next is Jezebel, Elijah's mortal enemy, is so upset with Elijah for what he did to the prophets of Baal that he, she sends a message. She's like, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. So Elijah gets scared, flees. He runs away. He's like, I'm getting so far away from this place, I'm going to run until I cannot run anymore. He ends up underneath a tree and he asks God to take his life. He's like, God, I'm done. I'm so over this. Please. But God still gives him nourishment, food, water. And eventually Elijah gets to a cave and that's where we pick up the story in 1 Kings 19, verse nine. There Elijah came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, 
thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am left. And then, and they seek my life to take it away. And God said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? You see, the voice of God never appears how we expect. The voice of God never appears how we expect. Elijah was so fed up at this point. He was tired. He was exhausted. He was over it. Everything he tried to do in his ministry did not prove any purpose in Elijah's view. All the Israelites did everything they could do to go away from God. And they got to a point they were even trying to kill Elijah. His ministry was pointless in his eyes. And I think many of us can relate <laughs> to this feeling of pointless. Because this year was not how we expected. This year, we tried so many different things that didn't go the way we expected. Some of us have even thought of, even had the thought process of, what's the point? Why am I doing? Why am I even trying? Because it's gonna change tomorrow. There's so many things that could be rushing through our mind just like Elijah. And Elijah understood that if, in order for him to move forward, to get past what he's going through in the moment, he needed God's help. He needed God's help. And in order for us to listen to God, because now is the time to listen, that's what we're talking about today, we must throw out every expectation we have of how God should speak to us. We've got to throw it all out. We've got to throw it all away because how we expect God to speak to us is going to mess us up. Because here's the thing, as we read this passage, didn't we expect for God to be in the wind that was all powerful because he's God? Or did we expect for him to be in the earthquake that shook and broke the rocks apart? Or we expected for him to be in the fire but no, he was in the low whisper. I don't know about you, but that's the type of God that I'm okay with having a conversation with. I'd rather talk to a God who's looking at me and saying, I love you, I care about you, rather than a God who's yelling at me and telling me I'm doing terrible things and telling me that I'm doing everything wrong and what are you doing, I don't know What's gotten into you, but you're not it? I'd rather talk to a caring God who in a low whisper communicates love and compassion and care. That's the type of God I'd like to talk to. Many times when we talk about this 
this idea of listening to God. I have so many people come up to me and say, Cliff, how do you know if what you're hearing is God or just some random thought that you had? How is it, how, how, what's the difference? How can you tell if it's God or, or you, your humanness? And when I, very briefly, I just wanna talk about three filters that we must put these words through as we're navigating this season of listening to God. And the first one is this. Is it encouraging? Is what you heard encouraging? Let me be clear for a, for a second. Conviction can be encouraging. I'm not saying encouraging is just something that's like makes you feel good. But sometimes when we're convicted, that can be encouraging. Why? Because it pushes us to be better. It pushes us more, further and further into sanctification, being more like Jesus every day. But encouraging is the opposite of condemnation. Paul says in Romans chapter eight that there is, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So is what you're hearing encouraging? I know for me, when I talk to myself, I am rarely encouraging. When the enemy speaks to me, he is never encouraging. So I know when I hear those things that aren't encouraging, that's not God. The other filter, the next filter is this, is it biblical? Is it rooted in scripture? Does scripture say it? Does scriptures talk about it? Does scripture um, actually address it somewhere? Does it talk about it? Does it agree with what you heard? If so, then yes, that's God. If not, maybe it's just something nice. I don't know. That's why it's so crucial for us to read the Bible and for us to know it. Last filter, does it need to be said? What you just heard, does that need to be said? Or in other words, does it need to be processed? Do you need to process that in your own heart or is it just something that falls to the wayside? doesn't really matter. These are how you can understand and know if what you're hearing is actually God or just your own humanness. But now I want, I want us to look at another passage in scripture that's gonna help us a little bit more articulate what it looks like to actually listen to God. So flip back in your Bibles a little bit more to 1 Samuel chapter three. 1 Samuel chapter, chapter three. At this point, in the story of scripture, Eli is the high priest. Eli is the high priest and his sons, to be frank, did not love the Lord. <laughs> they did not follow the ways of the Lord at all. Eli was super bummed about it. In fact, it affected how he was a high priest. It affected how he was a dad. And so Eli could not have his sons fall in his footsteps as high priest. But there was this other na man named Samuel who was showing great promise in the eyes of the Lord. And scripture says that he was pursuing and growing deeper in his relationship with Jesus, with the Lord. So I'm gonna read in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter three says this. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. One quick encouragement for you. God's voice is always there. 
God's voice is always there. We just read that there had been no prophetic ministry happening. Nobody was getting any visions. Eli was, really wasn't doing the job he was supposed to be doing. And yet we're gonna find out here in a couple verses that God still spoke to Samuel. He still spoke to him. And so in our modern day context, no matter what we're going through, no matter the stresses or how far we fear from God, the reality that scripture tells us is God is still here and his voice is still speaking. I can't tell you the amount of times what I've heard the verse of God. Not audibly, I wish, but in so many different ways that we're gonna talk about here in a second. God's voice is always there. Verse four. Then the, the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. And ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, lie down again. So Samuel went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The phrase, here I am, in Hebrew, is like a servant going up to their master and saying, I am here ready to listen to you and obey. Not only am I gonna hear and process what you're saying and actually listen to you, but I'm also gonna obey what you have to say. At this point, as it just read, Eli was pretty much blind. And so Samuel was helping him around and making sure that he needed to do all the things he needed to do. So of course he got up in the middle of the night when Eli called him because he was gonna serve him. And so Samuel was saying, hey, master, here I am. How can I help you? How can I serve you? Man, how crazy would it be for our prayer lives, if instead of saying, hey God, this is what I want and need, what about, hey God, here I am. What do you need from me? Man, that revolutionizes our prayer life. That changes how we see things. That changes how other people view us because instead of going in saying, it's all about me, we're like, okay God, what are you doing? Let's close up the passage here in verse eight. The Lord called Samuel again the third time and he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he called you, you shall say, speak Lord for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Samuel finally got what was going on. He finally got what was happening. He finally understood it wasn't Eli talking to him, but it was God himself. And Samuel did what he's been doing this whole time. Many scholars talk about how Samuel was pure in heart. He went before God, he said, speak for your servant is listening. I'm gonna give you three things on how you can listen to God now. If now is the time to listen, if now is the time to listen to God, how do we do that? 
I'm a very practical person. It's very rarely in HSM when I'm preaching to high school students that I just talk about a concept and not give them tools. And so today I wanna give you tools on how you can listen to God right now. And the first one, as we look at this story in, in uh, 1 Samuel, is this, be humble. <laughs> Isn't that a great thing for someone to tell you? If you walk down the street and someone just goes, hey, be more humble. Doesn't that make you feel good? <laughs> no, it's not. It makes us rustle in our own heart because many of us, pride is always there. Pride is always coming up. Pride is always keeping us from seeing clearly. In, in the previous chapter in 1 Samuel, it talks about the difference between Eli's sons and, and Samuel himself. And Eli's sons, it says that they pretty much didn't do anything. They were selfish. They never followed the Lord. They didn't really do what they were supposed to do. But Samuel, on the other, on, on the other hand, was following God and actually growing in his relationship with the Lord. You see, it's really hard to hear from God if our junk is in the way. It's hard to hear from God when our junk is in the way. You ever have those conversations with someone that you're trying to tell them the truth, but it's not going anywhere because they think they're right? Their pride is so evident that you're getting nowhere in the conversation. It's frustrating. About a week and a half ago, my fiance and I were wanting to go and see the sunset. And we have this one specific place that, that we wanted to go, right? And this was a place we'd been, to, been before. And as we were driving there, I'm like, hey, I know where I'm going. But my fiance taps me on the shoulder. She's like, I don't think we're going the right way. I'm like, yeah, we are. We're totally going the right way. This, this is, I'm just going to take a left here and then take a right and then I'll get there, right? Well, I get to where I thought it was and that was not it. And so we had to double back and go back to where she thought it was. Long story short, where she thought it was was not the place either, but that's beside the point. Um, but in that conversation, I was so sure of myself that I was right, I completely lost track of what she was saying. I didn't listen to her. And sometimes we do that with our conversation with, with God. We go to him in prayer or in any other fashion. We're like, God, I got this. Can you just give me what I want? I know what I need. I know what I want. I know what's best for me. And our pride comes in and we miss the chance to hear what he's actually trying to say to us. It's hard to hear God when our junk is in the way. Man, it's so hard. But when we're able to humble ourselves before the Lord and push away our pride, that's where we hear clearly. As I said, scholars talk about how Samuel was pure in heart. He wasn't trying to do anything on his own agenda. He was just like, Lord, what, what do you want? That's a posture we should be as a church, consistently. Lord, what do you want? Lord, what do you want? So number one, be humble. Number two, seek counsel. Samuel would not have been able to hear from God if it wasn't for Eli. It says at one point that Samuel had never known the voice of God. 
He didn't know because he had no one to direct him to it. He had no one to point him to and be like, hey, this is actually the voice of God or actually what you're hearing right now is God. Who can you seek? Who can you find in your own life that has been there, that has listened to God, that has experienced God and maybe they can help you through the process because we all listen to God differently. Some of us, it's, it's from someone preaching on this stage. Some of us, it's, it's literally reading scripture and something pings and we're like, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. And that changes how we view the passage. Maybe it's an impression on the heart from the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's musically through worship. Maybe it's on a hike. Maybe it's on a walk around the neighborhood. Maybe it's a walk with your dog. I don't know. There's so many different ways for us to listen to God. And my encouragement to you is to find somebody who's been there, whom you trust, and ask them, hey, how do you do it? That personalized conversation, that, that piece of discipleship, will help you grow even more. Testimony is a huge thing. I love it when people come up to me and they say, Cliff, how do you do this? How do you listen to God? How do you hear from God? Man, I love those conversations because I tell them, man, a lot of times I feel like I'm terrible at it. <laughs> but there's few moments where I do hear from him where I get excited. Number one, be humble. Number two, seek counsel. And number three, find the secret place. In Matthew chapter six, verse six, Jesus, the man himself, said this. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus, in the best sermon ever preached, goes up on a hillside and he says, hey, when you pray, don't just do it so that everybody else can see. You see, in the context, he's addressing the Pharisees because the Pharisees would go into the synagogues and other uh, public places and they would just be praying really loudly so that everybody could, could see how awesome they were and how holy they were and how they used, you know, really awesome vocabulary and look at them, look at them, look at them, look at them. And Jesus is like, hold up a sec. If all we do is pray in public and never pray in, in the secret place in quiet, then maybe we care way more about what other people think than how our Heavenly Father thinks of us. You see, if we care way more about praying in public than in private, our motives need to be checked. Maybe we care way more about things we don't need to care about rather than listening to the the still low voice that Elijah experienced saying, hey, I love you, I care for you, and I have something for you. But what is the secret place? The secret place is a place where you and God can go. It's just you. All the things about your life, the things that you're worried about, frustrated about, angry about, even happy about, go away, and it's just you and him. Some of us, it could be the commute to work. Some of us, it could be our house, a specific room in our house. It could be a walk. I, I, I don't know. The secret place is a place where you and the Lord go to. So where's yours? Where's your place where it's just you and the Lord? I know for me, a lot of times it's, it's driving, which can be dangerous, so be careful with that. But a lot of times it's when I'm going on a drive and I'm by myself and the Lord speaks. He speaks to me 
in ways I don't expect. But I try my best to posture myself to be ready for whatever does come next. Number one, be humble. Number two, seek counsel. And number three, find the secret place. Now, as I invite Colin to come back up here, I know what many of us are thinking at this point is that, Cliff, it's really hard to listen right now. So many things are changing. So many things are different than they usually are. My routines are off. The way I view God is off. The way I view others is off. It's really hard. I don't know what to do. About four or five weeks ago, I woke up on a Saturday morning and I had a headache. And normally when I have headaches, they go away within a couple hours. They're usually not that intense. This headache didn't go away. I was getting really worried. I was, I was getting anxious about it. I ended up coming to the church and getting ready for HSM service that night and prepping for my message and the headache was still there. And I kept checking my temperature because I was worried I had COVID symptoms. And if I had COVID symptoms, then, then, then I had to tell so many people that I potentially could have exposed. Luckily, I was being socially distant and had a mask on and all those things. But I didn't want to go through with that. And so my anxiety was, was going through the roof. I was worried. And as I was thinking more and more about it, my headache went farther and got more intense. And I was working on my message. And then all of a sudden, I put on worship music. And I got quiet. And the Lord spoke to me. He put a, an impression on my heart and he said, Cliff, I got you. I got you. And it's hard for me to explain really how, what I felt in that moment, but I was so overwhelmed. I had so many things that I was thinking about, so many things that I was, I was worrying about, but in that moment, it all went away because I was able to quiet myself and humble myself before him for him to encourage me, for him to love me, for him to speak identity over my life. Church, don't let your circumstances stop you from listening. Don't let the things you're experiencing, the things that are going through in your life, which are all valid and real, stop you from listening. Because the reality is, he wants to talk to you. He doesn't care about your fears. He doesn't care about your doubts. And he's running after you with a gentle whisper saying, let's talk. Let's talk. And so what we're gonna do today, Colin is gonna lead us in one more song. And I encourage you, take out your, your phone, open notes, take off out a piece of paper. If you're watching online, I invite you to do this as well. And just write down things that come to your mind. Remember the filters that we talked about earlier. Write down things that come to your mind because I believe the Lord has something for you today. He wants to speak to you. So prepare yourself to listen. I'll say this again. Now is the time to listen. 
And if we take the time to listen now, a few more days before 2021 starts, our year's gonna be fantastic. I'm gonna pray and then Colin's gonna lead us in a song. God, here we are. Your servants are listening. Lord, search our hearts and take any form of pride that is, that is not our own, that isn't from you. God, we surrender it to you. Father, your servants are listening. Amen.